looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental. One that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no BS. Helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things. The iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do. No excuses. Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All righty, all righty. Good morning to those here on, on the West Coast. Good afternoon to those on the East Coast. That's where you were at, I think, right, Dr. Maureen? Yeah, I'm on the East Coast. That's right. Yeah. Yes, it's good. Well, it's good to have you this morning. Thank you for coming on the show, Beyond the Mat. I'm looking forward to this. We've gotten to know each other a little bit through AMA and talk to each other. And so I'm looking forward to the hour. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of uh, introduce you and then I'll let you take over from there but i'm going to read your bio that you sent me because it's pretty impressive on you know the schooling and stuff that you have i always find that impressive since i don't have any of that so here we go so all right so we have dr um maureen here she's a behavioral scientist a human development specialist specializing in multicultural change management she holds a phd and an ma in human and organizational development a Master of Science in Applied Behavioral Science, and a Bachelor of Art in English. With over 15 years of experience in the World Bank, she has recruited, trained, and mentored and coached staff in areas such as diversity, equality, and inclusion. Driven by her passion to add value, she founded the International Center for Empowerment and Leadership, provided personalized coaching to Christian influencers. She also conducts leadership development programs for retirees with an entrepreneurial mindset, and as an author and ordained minister, she shares her expertise in unlocking potential and living purposely. Dr. McIntosh and her son and family live in Virginia, huh? Is that where you're at? Yeah, in Alexandria, Virginia. Alexandria, Virginia. So, yeah. you know, we I've been there. We have a school that opened up in uh, Manassas. So I've been to Virginia a little bit. Oh, that's right. Okay. And uh, that's where I ran into Emilio one time. They were there in Manassas doing something on the same weekend that I was there for their grand opening. And we got to uh, Jose and, and myself. And uh, that's that's where you see that picture of me choking him from behind. I snuck <laughs> up on him in the restaurant right there and got to him. That's where we met. Is yeah, there in Virginia. That was, was that sometime in March or February you got over there? Yes, back, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. soon after the AMA. Uh, we had something in New Jersey. And I met you there. And I also met uh, Jose as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's a good guy. Well, Dr. Marine, I want to, yeah, we're going to jump right into some of your, your stuff because in, in here, it, it's it's interesting to me, your your bio here, where it talks about, uh, well, first of all, it says she holds a PhD and an MA in human and organizational development. Mm-hmm. What's organizational development? What does that mean? It's always an interesting word to me because uh, I'm one of those uh, visionary guys. And so I got to have people that are super organized around me to get that. So th this this caught my eye. What's organizational development? 
Okay, then let's break the two ones apart, um, uh, unpack them. An organization needs to be developed, right? Mm-hmm. So the, to develop an organization, you first have to have a concept for the organization or the business. And you have, you have a vision for that organization. And you also want to influence people or sell a product. So the first thing you have to think about is to get someone to help you to design that. What does it look like? Uh, what's the chart? You have seen org charts, right? You have seen the, the person who is the president or and the vice president. You have directors. You have people who fill in roles. So the organizational developer comes beside you from the onset of the organization and sits with you and listens to what you want to do and put all that into a design for you. That's where it's like the, the, uh, the structure that the architect would uh, put on his canvas before that building goes into, uh, before the building is built. Once the, once the organization is set up, you think about who are the people that are going to fill the roles, what kind of, uh, they have to meet the, they have to be the people that will give a life to the organization. So the president must, the founder must know exactly what he wants to be able to communicate those values, the mission, the vision, the purpose of the organization. Now, when that is established, Sometimes I go into organizations that it's already established, like the World Bank, and they need different things. They might be having different types of challenges. Like I say, I was, I'm hired to solve problems and to answer questions, to help people to answer their own questions. So you may have an organization that people are not performing well, and you don't know why. So I will come in and work with the leaders to go back to their mission, to go back to their vision, their values, their purpose, to see if there is continued alignment between the purpose of the organization and what is being done, to see whether the values that they espouse are the values that they are living or practicing. And when we, when we go in and we intervene in that situation, we find out who needs to be trained or who needs to be coached or whether we need to hire new people. All those things include organizational development. Within the organization, there are people. Those people need to be to be trained. They need to be, to be taken care of. And we want to make sure that not only the people we serve on the outside of the organization, but the people inside the organization are being taken care of. So it involves people and um, purpose vision and values. That's great. Now, so I'm listening to you saying that. I'll tell you why this hits me, because this is one of the things when it comes to schooling, I think we we spoke off camera a little bit, right? You know, I did a little bit of some college and it was just not for me. But one thing I did tell my children when they went, I said, I'll tell you what school could have done for me is Organize your thoughts, be able to write a good business letter and understand accounting. I said, these are the things that I wish that I went through because when I opened up a business, I was a really a great teacher, martial artist, but man, I'll tell you what, I was, uh, I was a rookie when it came to, I was a white belt when it came to running business yeah. and I had to find that coach that you're talking about. I had to find somebody 
that knew how to make money in the martial arts world, keep the integrity of the martial arts, and then how to grow that from within to, and, and I didn't have that. I, I, and I find that not just in martial arts, it's prevalent in martial arts schools. You have really great instructors and really great teachers, but they can't keep the doors open because they don't know how to run a business. Yeah. And then, then they don't know how to, how to have that organizational. And so I've always felt that around me, I'm a, I'm a great visionary. I'll pitch visions and, and, and get everybody directed, but the attention to detail, I need to have people underneath me that, that understand the attention to detail mm-hmm. so that you can progress. So it's, I think that's really good advice when I'm listening to you talk about, you know, all that, the, the development of that in a business and how important that is. Cause I don't think people really, before they open the door, they probably should be asking about all that. That's not right. when the doors open and go, man, I, I am, I'm like a duck. I'm smooth on the surface and I'm, my feet are running a million miles an hour underneath the water, that's right? right. Cause trying to keep things uh, afloat. So I think that's really good. I, that, that definitely caught my eye when, when, I saw that. Now you're now you have a PhD and stuff like that. Now is this something you did younger or as you got older? Did you as you did you go through school? I am in school. I was in school all my life. I got the PhD. I got the PhD when I was forty-eight at Johns Hopkins um, in university. Um, the masters, the two masters, I also got them at John, Johns Hopkins as well. But that's when I came here to the United States. I was. 37 and started working at the World Bank and came with the intention to get higher education because higher education in the Caribbean is very expensive and not easily accessible to people who don't have ready cash because loans are not so easy to come by in the Caribbean. They're very expensive here, but we have access to, to school loans. So I got here and I got the, the bachelor's in Costa Rica. I lived in Costa Rica for eight years as a diplomat's wife. So while I was there, I went to Bible school and I also went to university to learn the language for one and also to be able to communicate effectively in both English and Spanish. So that's where I got the English uh, bachelor's. So do you think that going to school um, when you're a little bit older, do you feel like there's a different appreciation and you have some life behind you that it kind of helps formulate when you're going for masters and, and PhDs? Not having the experience of not having an education like that when I was growing up, I wouldn't be able to compare it. But let me just say from my experience, uh, when I was going to high school, my mind, my brain was not so developed. There were concepts that I didn't quite understand. There were practical applications of these concepts that were foreign to me. So I would say, Mark, you're right. While you're working and going to school, you have the practical experience and you can uh, align those with the, the with the theoretical. You can see how the theory works in practice. So for me, while I was working at the World Bank, I had the f- good fortune to be to use what I was uh, learning real time. I did my research at the bank and at the International Monetary Fund. When I had to interview leaders, they were right there. So I took what I was learning right from school into the workplace. 
And the good thing was that when the organization, my, my, my managers saw how well I was using what I was learning in the workplace without asking for help, they offered to continue paying for my education. So yes, it was really good to be able to see the theory in practice and a real time and to see the changes that were taking place within the organization as I worked there. So it was just very rewarding for me to see that this education is really going to benefit me. So now the World Bank, that's what you did for a while. Now, did you retire from there or are you still, are you still there? I retired from there in 20, 2002. I got my PhD in 2001, but I continued to consult with them up until 2014. Uh, oh, so you so you stayed kind of as a consultant after that instead in, of internal, yes, got it. consultant, yes. Okay. And so uh, when did, let's talk about the book that you wrote. So when did the book come into play that you wrote? I wrote the book last year. It was published, Live Your Life from the Inside Out. It's a book that I have here right now. Uh, it was published last year, July. Last year, July. Mm -hmm. So. So you did your book last year. Yes. And when you when what what made you decide to be become an author? Let's let's talk about that. Is it something is a natural progression based on your life's experiences and you're like, hey, I want to write about this? Because that's where mine was. When I you know, I had thought about it for such a long time and I just kind of threw it, you know, finally I just kind of did it, you know, without yeah. Thinking about it anymore. I just kind of jumped in and said, okay, I'm going to do this and, and, and let's just, let's just get and do it. Now, now I'm an advocate for everybody. I think everybody should write about their, their life and, and keep it for, for, you know, their legacies and, and their children and stuff like that. So what made you decide to go with this? And let's talk about that title and what this book's about. So I have been, teaching and mentoring and coaching and speaking within the bank in my community, community meaning my church, for many years. So I have over 35 years of experience in teaching, coaching, mentoring. And I designed many coaching programs, mentoring programs, and stood at the pulpit and taught. And people kept asking me, do you have a book? Do you have a book? And I said, no, I don't. When are you gonna write a book? Mark, if you know anything about writing a PhD, when you are done, you don't want to write anymore. <laughs> because you have, you have lived your life just researching almost, it takes a lot out of you. It is not an easy thing to do. Then when I started working with the bank, I started working as a researcher, doing a lot of research and writing and publishing for the bank as well. And so I did not want to write a book. I thought I didn't have anything to prove. But when my husband passed away in 2008, just before he died, Mark, he charged me he said, baby, you cannot go to your grave. And he didn't know he was dying. Promise me that you're going to write about your experiences with mentoring. I designed a mentoring coaching program for our church and led it. And our pastor was so amazed at the excellence with which I ran that program. Just before my pastor died again, two years, three years ago, he said to me, please write about your experiences. My dissertation, uh, my dissertation chair, he begged me to write. 
one of the people in my dissertation who provided information for me as I was researching at the bank, she said, do you know that you're excellent at speaking and writing? And I don't know that. I still don't know that, Mark. <laughs> but, but they kept asking me, but I'll tell you why I fulfilled that, that charge, I promise. I promised my husband that I was going to write a book about my grandmother because she is the, the influential force in my life. I grew up with her. And I didn't want to die without writing that. And I didn't know what I would write about, so I decided to write about how I lived my life growing up in the Caribbean in a very small island, 4,000 people living on the island with just nothing to show that I would be where I am today. Today, I, I live what I call an, a, an influential, affluent life for me. And I'm very happy because I know that had it not been for the education and the mentoring and the coaching that I received from my grandmother and people in our community, I wouldn't be the woman I am today. And I thought, you know what? I heard Miles Monroe, who was a mentor of mine before he died in that fateful plane crash seven, eight years ago. He said, don't rob the grave of what of all of your, your skills, talents, abilities and resources, don't go to the grave with that. And so a combination of all of these, these uh, encouragement to write caused me to buckle down and write. I didn't write the book actually, Mark. The book was already written. What I did was I went into my computer and I just gathered up everything that I had written and sent it to, but did the outline, filled mm -hmm. the outline in, and, and got my uh, book coach to walk with me through it, to streamline it because I had so much. I have about 50 or 60 books written already. All I need to do is to just go in and give them a title and get the information. They're all in front of me in my computer. That's a, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So you, so you, you've, you've kind of already written books through life and then you got to go ahead and uh, send them off in in you know in an outline form, yes. and then they you had somebody else help you uh, facilitate the book so that it can be that it can be uh, you know put into 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 your words through your outline. Yeah, so we worked on the outline. We worked on the message that I want to bring my reader. Why I want to bring the message? What is it the reader must take away? And we worked on the stories that are my personal stories. And so we just we we looked at messages, stories that went with the messages, messages, stories that went with the messages. We did a complete outline. And then all I did was went on my computer and just filled in, filled in the outline. Once we filled the outline, we we, we looked at it for flow to make sure that the message was flowing and what I really wanted to see was in there. And then we got an editor to edit and voila, the book is here. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that, you know, those are always great stories. And so I want to go back to you had spoken that your husband was kind of a push for you. Yes. Uh, to do it. How did how was that? when you were going through your process of doing your book and stuff like that, mine was pretty emotional on some of mine. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? When I look back on, uh, on some of the stuff that I put in my book, you know, it was pretty, you know, 
I had some tears sometimes because I did a kind of the same thing you did. I had an outline and then I was having a really hard time. I was so uh, with all this kind of stuff that I had somebody else that helped me formulate my thoughts. So we would meet on a weekly basis and I would tell her my stories and then she would help me put those to words. Mm -hmm. And it was and then, you know, then the book continually grew and until my stories, you know, kind of came out. But it was pretty emotional for me on some of those. I mean, how was it for you losing a husband and then having to write your book? I mean, was there tears coming through there or reminiscing of it? How did that how how did uh, how that go for you? Because it it was it was pretty emotional for me. I'm not going to lie, man. There was some of these, you know, I, I've lost some students myself in 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 death and I've carried baby caskets to their their oh, funeral and stuff funny. like that. So, yes. Painful situations were really emotional. I wrote the first two chapters of the book the week he died. Mm. And I didn't realize that I was writing a book. How I'm a journaler, so I, I journal on my computer. I would open up a page. Now I open my notes and I start pouring out my emotions because that helps me. So I wrote the two first, the first two chapters of the book without even knowing. And with this anthology, that chapter was also written. So going back to your question about the pain and what it was for me, I had gone through the pain. I had spoken about it in church. I had spoken about it in many different uh, environments. And each time I speak about it, it seems as though I'm being released from the pain and I'm being transformed as I speak. That's why I call this new book that we're writing, Transforming from Pain into Purpose. Because as I went through the transformation from day one to the funeral, to going to the Netherlands, to speaking at the funeral, all I so I had gone through, you see what I mean, Mar? Mar I had gone through all of it. So when I was writing again, Yes, I was crying. I had music in the background, religious music to bring me into the place where the music can soothe and wash my soul. And as I was doing that, I felt the presence of God helping me with the emotion to write again what I had experienced. So yes, you're actually right. I tell my, my clients who are writing with me right now, to see what they're experiencing and to find a place where they can feel comfortable, experience the emotion again and see how they are being transformed in the moment of writing into the best and highest version of themselves. So what made you go to, so you, so you had that, correct? Yes. What made you go from uh, this to go have an anthology to have other authors do that. What what, what was the trajectory for that? What did that look like? Yes, that's a very good question, Mark. I was preaching a sermon. Um, I was asked to, to preach a sermon on Thanksgiving Day last year. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to do the sermon all by myself. Let me get some people who have Thanksgiving. They have things that they experience that they want to give God thanks for. So I, I had seven people preach that sermon with me. And what I did was ask them to talk to, talk to the audience about what they've experienced, what they want to give thanks to God for, what they've experienced, and 
somewhat like what we're doing with this anthology. And when we were done, so many people came to me and said, you know what, Dr. Maureen, people, we don't do that in church anymore. There was a time when we used to tell about God's goodness. There was a time when we used to talk, be vulnerable about the pain, our pain. And I benefited so much from this message. You could have stood there and you could have told someone else's story, but just having someone tell their story is powerful. You must continue to do that with your sermons. And that was where the idea was born. Interesting. So your anthology, now what's the name of the anthology that, you, you, that you're doing now? It's Transforming Pain into Purpose. So is it uh, mostly female, is it all females or do you have a mixture? This time it's all females. Next time, next anthology and anthologies afterwards, because I, I found my purpose. I found exactly, I'm having so much fun helping these women through their pain to put their pain and the transformation into purpose, seeing them transformed again. It seems as though God has just said to me, that's what you were made for. So we're going to have this one launched in January 4th with Emilio. And I'm so happy that I met Emilio and Daniela, just wonderful people. We're going to launch that in New Jersey. And immediately after that, we're going to get men and women. I want also to reach out to some of the nurses that went through COVID. I met a nurse the other day and she was telling me about what they went through during COVID. And I think that I want to dedicate an anthology only to the nurses to tell us what they experienced being pastors, being coaches, being mentors, being counselors during COVID when people were dying and these nurses had to, they were transformed and their family members didn't see them. So there's an experience there that I don't know if anybody else is writing about it. I'm sure they are, because usually when one person has an idea, many people have the idea. But I want to bring their pain, their experiences out to the world in the best way I could. So yes, this is women. I will have women and men. I will have one dedicated to pastors, uh, pastors and their wives, and one dedicated. They're coming to me now. The ideas are coming to me. And one dedicated to nurses. And nurses are usually male and female, what they experience in order to bring us through this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's, you know, that's my next... My next one is I'm doing an anthology too, right? Now, this is in the martial arts world because yeah. after doing my Beyond the Mat book, I feel that there's a Beyond the Mat anthology, which is now I'm going to my people that I've kind of brought up in, in the martial arts and they have their own stories now on what they do. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they've all transformed lives. They've had thousands of students come through their doors. And I think that it's a great way to get people to go paper to pen it's only a thousand fifteen hundred words. It's not. It's not something that's going to be uh, super difficult. It's a chapter, and you organize your thoughts and, and and away you go. So I'm I'm working that myself right now and getting ready for for that. So I understand where where that's coming from. That's great, Mark. I would love to read that when that when that comes out because I know yeah. you do a great job. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. I, you know, I'm a big advocate now that I've done it myself to try and get these guys. I said, hey, man, I said, look at me. I said, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I took a GED out of high school and I did a little bit of college. I said, I'm not one of these that you would ever think was going to be an author. But there are ways to break through the the fear of 
pen to paper because that's what I had. And there's ways to, you know, have other people get your thoughts on paper the way you want to see it. And so it's not an impossibility. Yeah. And it's not a, you know, there's cost involved, but it's not, you know, it's not something that's just so over the top that it can't be done. And then you get somebody like Emilio and they understand how to help you navigate costs so that you can a make some money with your book, cover cost and, and be able to, uh, you know, share it with the world. Yes. They they have a very great process. Actually the structure, the process that they have is good. I also have a publisher and I didn't go with her this time because when I called to find out whether she could help me with the anthology. She couldn't. So it was very fortuitous that I did meet Emilio in December of last year, and he had exactly what I want. want. And so I would encourage anyone who has a story to tell that they do it and do it now because it also heals the healing, and it also helps you to leverage the challenges and adversities that you have encouraged, that you have experienced to, to help other people to see that challenges don't come to make you bitter, they come to make you better. But you want, sometimes people will see challenges as coming to break them. But no, without the challenges, as you know, we cannot become the version of ourselves that we were destined to become. Yeah, that's definitely true, 100% for sure. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that's great. So I want to, let's let's go into right here on your next one here. We're talking about you were driven by her passion to add value. She founded the International Center for Empowerment and Leadership, providing personalized coaching to Christian influencers. Let's talk about what what International Center for Empowerment is. That yours? Yes, I founded that. That's the International Center for Empowerment and Leadership, and I founded that before my husband died, Mark. I I did it. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a coach and she said to me, what do you want to do? My, uh, first of all, to get into university to do a PhD, they want to know why they should give you a PhD. So you have to sit with the people interviewing you to find out why should we even waste time on giving you a PhD? So you have to sit and think about who do you want to impact? So that idea for the International Center for Empowerment and Leadership, an international, meaning not only here in the United States, but globally, because the World Bank is a global organization. And I said to you, I worked at the bank when I was working on my PhD. So I had to write my mission statement. I had to write my vision, my values. How did I want to impact? Who I wanted to impact? So that International Center for Empowerment and Leadership it's basically to empower, coach, empower through coaching and mentoring and teaching and all these instructional modalities that we use in order to empower. So that's what it means. The empowerment is coming, to helping people to become the best version of themselves so that they can live their best life. They can live an influential life. That's I think I was born to do that because ever since I was a kid, Mark, my greatest dis- my greatest joy came from seeing people find who they are and live who they are without apology. So that's what the International Center for Empowerment and Leadership, when people come to me, they must be empowered to do what they 
identify or what we identify together that they really want to do. So now I say to people, do not compromise your divine call for a nine to five job. You can be in a nine to five job, but know this, in the nine to five job, you must know that that is your calling. You must do it with all your heart. And if you're doing it and you're not feeling fulfilled and you're feeling stressed, let's take a look at what it is you really think you want to do. I would say to people, I want you to write your life, design your life. If you had only one week to live, what would be that thing you really want to do that you can't afford not to do before you die? I ask people to write about what is it you want to say to your loved ones that you have accomplished. So we work on your dream life. What is your dream life? What would your life look like if you had the opportunity to write it and to live it? So that's what empowerment is. And the leadership part is influencers. I want to work with influential people because I know the people who they are influencing, they are by, by design being influenced by the coaching that I would give to you, the leader, Mark. So I love to work with leaders. I like to help them to see what is your value? What's your vision? What's your purpose? I love to work with, because I've been married to leaders. I've had three, three marriages and each one of them were leaders. And I, I know what they go through. I know they need someone, a wise person. Remember, Mark, when you guys were created, God created us afterwards, women, <laughs> you know, to help you, to, to, to come by your side and help you to be complete. And there are wise leaders out there. So the International Center for Empowerment and Leadership is to bring wisdom to help people to analyze, evaluate, and clarify their values, their vision, and their purpose, and live that so that they can be, so that they can feel that they have influenced lives and they have living, they're living the best life. Yeah, that's powerful. All of it is is true. I think that you are correct in saying that. Uh, you know, being a leader, having somebody come alongside you that can uh, be right, you know right there with you is super important because I've had that, you know, I, my marriage ended. So I'm a single dad. I don't know if you know my background, but I'm a single dad. So I raised my children. Mm. Uh, they were in my home. As I wasn't, I wasn't a weekend dad. I, I raised the kids and and so, and that, you know, that was tough. Right. And my kids are all grown now. Yeah. You know, my one son's married and my daughter was three and she's 22 now when it, you know, the divorce went, when, when happened. Yes. And I tell everybody that today that, listen, you know, I told my sons when he got married, he just really has a really great wife. But I said, man, when you pick that, they are the ones that are going to either take you to the top. Oh my goodness. And, or, or it's going to be uh, an anchor that's that's going to be holding you back one one of the two is going to happen so you got to pick your mate like like you know it, it, it's a life decision and you want to make sure that uh, that life decision is 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 correct and my one son you know hit it out of the park you know he's got a really good good wife my oldest boy so i i get i get what you're saying there and it's good to hear somebody say that it's it's nice to hear something in today's world to say that on just how important the role is for you know for us 
second. So that that's I super appreciate that. When and so you're you're talking about the you know Christian influencers. Do you also do any mainstream people that are needing coaching, uh, or or do you concentrate on on Christian influencers more like the church? What, what's your what's your take on that? It seems to be that these are the people that I gravitate to. Uh, I also gravitate to people who are faith-based leaders, so they don't necessarily have to espouse Christianity, but mm-hmm. they have to have some faith, like Muslims, Buddhists, people, people who live by a faith, by moral codes and values and principles. Because right. what happens, it becomes too difficult to coach if you're not coaching from common ground. Uh, excellent. That's an excellent point. Yeah, you are 100% true on that. Yeah. And that's almost like uh, in marriage, right? You got to have that common ground or or there's a, you know, there's a, there's a back and forth. Man, that's really powerful right there, what you just said. Yeah, you have to have a common ground in order to be the coach. Yes. Um, one of the things that we studied when we were at school I, I did my coaching certification from Georgetown University. So I'm certified by the International Coaching Federation. After I got the PhD, the bank wanted me to uh, have that certification in order to coach their leaders and executives. So one of the things that we were cautioned when we're coaching is to ensure that whatever it is we are espousing in our coaching we ourselves are living it so we are the role models and common ground for me i consider myself to be light and salt and whatever i say or do needs to bring light to a situation where there's darkness and everybody understands what that means i'm using analogies here where there is a mess, where there's a problem, I, I, I'm a problem, helping people to solve their problems. And so we have to start from common, from a place of commonality, because if there, if you have to try to, to try to figure out where people are in their values and they're not being authentic and they're constantly struggling with what their belief system is, I would rather not do that kind of coaching. Do you see mm-hmm. what? It, it makes it too messy. So I decided my, uh, the people that you would say my avatar are in Christian, let's say faith-based influencers. As long as they're influencing in some way. And if they're influencing in the community, in their homes, I just reached out to someone in, uh, this is in, the, in our community back in Grenada, an influential leader. Uh, offering to go help him. He's a leader of our country to go support him in the values that he wants to bring to the whole country, just waiting for a response from him. And this would be to give back to my country what they poured into me. And that's in Grenada. So faith-based, and he's a man of faith, and he talks about values and visions. And when I heard that, I was so excited i thought i need to reach out to him to see whether he can he is interested in using my help yeah that's great that's great let's talk about this little thing right here it says she also conducts leadership development programs for retirees with an entrepreneur mindset yeah talk about that yes so when i was retiring 
it was the entrepreneurial mindset that got me to retire. I still had many years. I was only uh, 48 when I retired from the bank. But, you know, I was always an entrepreneur inside the bank. I'll tell you how. The, the department that I worked with, they didn't, at one time, they didn't have to pay my salary. I'll tell you how. I would go out and look for managers that needed to be coached. And I was looking for my clients inside the bank. And when I found those ladies, most of them were ladies that needed to be coached, so the middle level managers, I made an, a, a contract. We drew up a contract for my department that they would pay me, that's the manager of that department, would pay my department for me coaching those people. That was uh, something that was never done within the bank. So I constantly would leave my job, hire someone in my job as the manager and go out there and look for people to coach. And when they agreed, when their manager agreed that I coached them, their manager sent money over to my department. So my bosses never had to pay for my, pay my salary. So I had this entrepreneurial mindset. My father was an entrepreneur. He had lots of businesses. My grandmother was an entrepreneur. Eventually, I said one day, you know what? This is not what I want to do. I really want to go outside of the bank and start my own business. And I know that in talking to people inside, within the bank, I've heard stories of people. I'm just doing this, but when I get out of here, I have something else I want to do. So there are many people within organizations that have an idea, and they just need someone to come alongside them and flesh out that idea. Sometimes they're afraid. They're afraid. Some of them are in within the organization. They have that idea, but Mark, they're afraid. They're afraid to give up to give up the job because, and rightly so, because they have responsibilities. But me, I would say to them, if you give me 12 weeks, just 12 weeks, I am going to help you design that organization, design that business, and in 12 weeks, you're going to match, at least match, or begin to earn more than you were earning. It has happened to me on several occasions. In Costa Rica, in, in here in, in the United States of America, doing stuff, I can see that there's a lot of money to be made, but people just need to know to have someone come alongside them and encourage them because I say you have to go through your fear in order to get on the other side, because the other side of your fear is your success. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's definitely true. That's, I find that, I find that really, really good because I'm not sure on how your, how it was set up for you, but I know that being an entrepreneur now, getting into, into my age, I have, to, even myself, I have an entrepreneur mindset also. So, I'm always kind of doing things, you know, trying to use this, the main business in order to launch some other other avenues to create something. Because if we rely on Social Security, oh uh, there's just no way. And it's just, you know, when I look at what my life's work is and how much a monthly payment I'm going to get, I'm, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Man. I know. So, and it costs so much to to live in. Yeah, have you ever done then an evaluation of how much it costs to be alive for one day. <laughs> no, I've never done that. 
<laughs> that, that's how granular sometimes I become. Sometimes God has to speak to me and say to me, how do you know that that is going to be the cost tomorrow? Because costs, they move up and they move down. But I, I, given what we have, I would sit down and think, okay, how much does it really cost for me to live in one in one day of my life? And then I extrapolate from one day to 365 days and then to 15 and 20 years. One day I came up with these millions of dollars and I thought, oh my God, I'm not going to have enough money to live. <laughs> I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. That's not walking by faith. Okay? <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah, I find that, I think that that's something very, very unique that that you that you talk about to help retirees because that's the other thing i know about retirees i see it all the time you know I, i'd like to get out of the day-to-day -day and let my son kind of start you start doing that you know that kind of stuff and but i cannot see myself not teaching and not being on the mat because i i don't see myself just being at home because once you stop doing stuff then you start dying you know what i mean that when you, you when you lose purpose you lose a lot of stuff and so not something that, you know, I encourage those those to do. So I, I thought that that was really unique and to give somebody else another purpose, another drive, another and then in a, in a coaching and in a way to make it so that they can first match what they do, then surpass what they do. And probably then the, the question will be, gosh, why didn't I do this earlier? Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. You know? I'm working with some coaches right now and they say to me, oh, my goodness, I, I wish I'd found you before. There's one lady, she has a job. She is a manager. But we work on her working on what she wants to do when she transitions out of that workplace. So right now, she's writing her business plan. She has already decided what she wants to do. She has bought her domain name. She is working on making her business into an LLC. She's asked for permission of the organization to do what we call moonlighting. In, within the organization, she's practicing her craft. And as she practices, she is being offered promotion. Since I've started coaching her, this is the year two, and she has been promoted twice already because we are being purposeful and intentional. So people don't have to wait until they retire. If they're enjoying what they're doing within the organization and they're protecting and preserving their pension, that's all right. But we need to know beyond, beyond your leaving that organization. Sometimes people stay within organizations and they outgrow their effectiveness. That shouldn't be. Mark, I'm 71. And I've been working on my own since I've been 49. And I'm having such a good time understanding what God has called me to do. Having mentors and coaches, I've had been coached all my life. And right now I still have the John Maxwell organization, all the mentors and the coaches in the John Maxwell organization. A couple of them are my coaches, my personal coaches, business coaches. <clears throat> they are, I have one who is my a marketing coach, and I have another one who is my speaker coach. I have another coach that helps me with my nonprofit organization as well. So I would say to people, one coach may not be able to give you everything. There might be one who will be able to help you start up, another one who would be able to scale, another one who would be able to help you with your marketing. 
or you can bring all of these people on your team. But know who you want, design who you want, think about how, how you, where you want to be in the next 10 years, the next five years, and work towards it. See what, what is it that will keep you from getting, from living your best life. Understand what the challenges would be, but not let the challenges stop you because life is filled with challenges, but each of us must undergo them. We must come through them and become the highest and best version of ourselves. So that's what I help people to do, to not be afraid, to face your fears, go through your fears and find your success at the other side. Yeah, that's powerful. That's good, Doc. Yeah, really, really, uh, I think that that's, that speaks volumes on, on what your life, what your life experience is. It, you know, it's always good to get a coach that's been coached. You know what I mean? I, and I, I'm a big advocate of coaching anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure if you know my, I don't know if you ever know my story, but you know, I started my martial arts as a ministry. I don't know if you know that I started it at church. Oh, I see. That's and, cool. Right. I did it with my brother and a mentor of mine at that time, Mr. Knight, he was, you know, rest his soul, but, the three of us started that as a ministry at my church and that's where my passion kind of grew. Mm. And that's when I said, you know, this is kind of what I want to do. This yes. is, this is it. So, you know, I did it as a ministry for two years up there and then I, you know, it started to really grow large and I said, Hey, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to branch down and yeah. do this. Do you, have you noticed Mark how God is, helping us to see the importance of our bodies how how important our physical body is and how many people in the church who used to be overweight many pastors and ministers who used to be overweight have you noticed how they have lost a lot of weight did you notice that yes i have noticed that as a matter of fact yes they have they're eating better and they're exercising and they're talking about about it i i Several of them come to mind. I wouldn't want to mention their names here, but several of them come to mind. I see them standing and preaching and talking about the importance of taking care of this temple. And so people like you, Mark, are so important for the body of Christ. Because in order, I've, I've said to, to my mentees and to my uh, coaching clients, I've never seen a spirit do anything in this earth. Angels used to come and do things in the earth, but unfortunately for us, God has begun to use us in a greater, more expansive way. But we have to do it in this natural body. And we, people like you and Emilio, helping us to, to discover the strengths that lie within and how flexible the body can be. Because the body is an amazing machine I've learned at 71. That when I started out uh, after COVID, uh, about three months ago to go back to the gym, Oh, it was painful. And it still could be painful depending on which set of muscles I'm working. But you guys are just so important. God has placed all kinds of people with all kinds of talents in the earth. But you're very necessary. Coaches, uh, physical coaches are necessary for the body of Christ and for people at large and the large community. Because unless we are well in our physical bodies, there's no way we can effectively conduct our lives to the greatest advantage and i yes and i aspire to that a hundred percent and this is why i tell everybody because i'm 62 years old mm. but uh i'll still i still get on that mat and uh you know 
these, of course, you know, I'm a little older, so my young guys are, are you know, they like to try and take advantage of the old man. But, uh, you know, it's that's the kind of stuff, though, that you always hear that, that you know, this keeps me young. But I, I tell everybody, I said, if you want to be, uh, I, I think you need to take care of your your health and your finances if you want to have stability in your life and not have so much um, stress. See, without my without the gym for me, you know, as a matter of fact, I was it's so funny that you just said that because last night I was working out last night in my gym. I got a really nice home gym that I built right before COVID. So I'm, it's the best thing I've ever done, you know, Great. and I bought myself a little sauna. And so I was working out last night and, you know, I was sitting in the sauna going, man, this is so nice just to have it in my house sometimes, know. you know, just to have to drive all the way to the freaking gym. Yes. And so I worked out last night, but every once in a while, some of my music is, uh, I called it pressing and praying. Mm -hmm. And so I just got worship music on and we've got, uh, you know, and I'm just kind of pushing weights and, and kind of reflecting, listening to the songs, trying to get the mind and the body to be um, in line so that you can, you know, you can have strength yes. and fight and yes. You know, because, you know, it's, it's a fight every day. And, you know, time is the ultimate opponent, man. Yes, yes, it is. You know, there's an hourglass with the sand dripping. Yes. And you're going to either sit back or you're going to have to keep on getting after it every day. And, and mm -hmm. I just encourage people to do that, especially older, you know, older guys. You know, I've always been a, an advocate looking at, you know, older guys in the gym that that are still lifting and still, still going forward. And of course I've got that martial arts side of it too. And I've got a competitive side. So it's always been kind of part of who I am, yes. but I think that is definitely important because I saw it in COVID. Mm -hmm. I, I saw this when even our own government telling us not to go exercise. I'm like, man, these guys are going to try and kill us here. Right. Okay. And I can, I can encourage everybody. I said, that's, and I said, I had a gym and I said, Hey, if you can't go to the gym, you come to my house, mm -hmm. you can be in the gym by yourself, lift. I had my garage open. I had several friends that would come over, use the gym. Of course, we'd spray it down. But I'm like, man, we, we, we got to beat COVID with health, man, not with, you know, just laying around, you know, sucking our own air every day. Yes. And I was an advocate for that. Like, man, no way. I'm not. This is not going to get me down. And I and I got COVID uh, when, uh, you, you know, matter of fact, I had it last December again. But, you know, it was, man, I'm telling you, I've had a flu that was worse than, than the COVID that I got. Sometimes. And so, and I know that some people we've lost, you know, and we've lost friends to COVID also. So, you know, if there's, if, if COVID's given us anything in life, it's like, you got to be physical yeah. now, and us as being older, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we either sit around in a rocking chair or we, uh, we get out and, and get physical. Yes. Because God gave us physical bodies. He didn't give us bodies to uh, just, we naturally get older. So little things start breaking down a little bit. And the more, you know, somebody like me, that's, I'm above average guy that, that gets after it. So, you know, I got bum knees or I got a fake knee and yes. because of all the years of the physical stuff I did, but I'm a hundred percent on board with what you're talking about there to get after it, get healthy, get your mind right and keep living life to the fullest. And I'm sure that that's, that's where you're at. I, I can feel it coming through the, the phone yeah. there. You know, Mark, somebody said that you have to wait until you are motivated to do anything. 
But I don't believe that. I mm -hmm. believe that when you start doing things and you start seeing the results, the motivation comes. And that's 100%. And I tell my students all this, Maya, if you rely on, on motivation, motivation will, will let you down on a daily basis because everybody's motivated in the morning or the night before, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm going to, that tomorrow morning is going to be it and two o'clock in the afternoon runs around and life's gotten in your way and you got your kids and this and stress and you're all of a sudden, well, I'll just, you know what, I'll start that the next day. Mm -hmm. So your motivation goes, I tell everybody this all the time, motivation sucks. You need to have self-discipline. Yes. Okay. Then yeah. when you have self-discipline, then you get motivated and then you need to have some wins in life, right? So if your motivation is to get stronger and all of a sudden you can put an extra five pounds on something that you couldn't do, mm -hmm. that's motivation. Your self-discipline encourages your motivation, your motivation and private victories will encourage you to continue on and win. Absolutely. So I, I just feel that 100%. Absolutely. I saw that when I was in school. I was working and going to school, working and going to school. There was a time mark when I didn't have enough money to pay for my classes at at Hopkins. Those classes were expensive. <laughs> it sounds expensive. 2000 4000 You know what I did, Mark? I started making something in Trinidad that we call the rotis. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I learned to make that when I was living in Guyana as a diplomat's wife. And there were many Indians in the bank. They loved that stuff. And every weekend, my husband loans me $200 to get all the pots and pans and all the uh, things I need in order to start this business. And I would sell 50 rotis at $5 every week. And that's what I used in order to help me to pay for my some of my classes. Because at that time, I had just started and people just want to see you succeed. The bank would want to see me succeed before they start coming, you know, helping me to pay for the classes. So I say to people, whatever it is we have to do, you don't wait to be motivated. You have to be disciplined. And you go mm -hmm. on what you want. Whatever you have to do in order to get where you want to go, you have to do it. And sometimes you got to do it alone. Alone. That's correct. Because the whole society would be saying, stay indoors. Don't go outside. You know how many people put on 40 and 50 and 60 pounds during COVID? Yes. Just because we sat at home and we were scared to death to go out. And even if we, I thought that if I looked at somebody, I would get COVID. Right. And I, for one, put on 40 pounds by not going to do yoga. I put that on. And now this, the, the, the moves and the positions that I used to do when I was on the mat, I am just trying to get back there. I lost that in two years, two years after well, for 40 something years of COVID, of uh, doing doing yoga. That's what I do. I love yoga and I like Pilates. I don't like the machines too much. But when you're talking about strength and gaining strength, strength comes, it's like whatever we do, we start off weak in anything that we're doing. We start off not knowing, we start from A. But every day, the discipline, the consistency, 
that attitude, just being, be, no matter how much pain you're feeling in life, you, one should not let pain cause them to stop doing. One should let pain be the motivator to get them to become stronger in any area. And yes, we need, we need to be careful about the money that we make, how we steward it. Be careful about the physical well-being, how we steward our bodies, our emotional well-being. Be careful about that. And also relationships matter. I, I divided my life into seven different uh, areas, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, the relational, the uh, financial, business, and environment. And in each one of them, on a scale of one to 10, I analyze where am I now, where do I need to be, and what do I need to do in order to be able to get me there in incremental stages. And I do that with my clients as well. That's what we call the wheel of life. Help them to be able to see where they are on the wheel of life and make sure that they are going towards where they want where they want to be. So we start off in January. January, okay, where are you now? What, what will make 2023 an outstanding year for you? Let's start working on that. And every three months, we come back together in a summit. We take a look at where they are and what they have done what stood in the way, what is it they need to do, what sacrifices they need to make, who are the people in their corner, and then we go on to that. At the end of the year, we celebrate our wins, celebrating three small wins every three months, celebrating the final win at the end of the year. And that's how I take my client through a trajectory of getting to where they, from where they want to be, where they are to where they want to be. Unless we have that in life, we find out part that life ends and we did not do that important thing that we wanted to do. So I encourage everyone, if you have a mentor, a spiritual mentor, coach, whoever it is that is speaking to your life, be sure you also have an accountability partner because without accountability, you're not going to get to where you want to go. So that's basically how I live my life. Such these are such good, awesome last words. As our, our I told you, our hours went to go by quick. Yes. We're an hour and two minutes in, so I think that is a powerful way to end this this power hour that we've had with your uh, words of wisdom. There, this has been an awesome hour for me, uh, Doctor Marine. I, I really enjoyed this and look forward to uh, watching your book launch. We'll be on calls together. I'll have this in audio format for you before the end of day, and then you can start sharing this out. The, the YouTube link will be out there. You can start sharing that all you want. I've sent that to you already, and, uh, the, and so that anybody can watch it live. But I'll have the audio podcast of this also, and we'll talk soon because you talked about wanting to have your own podcast. I think you have a lot of wisdom. I think you have a lot of things that you can that you can uh, do with uh, do for people, and we'll have that conversation. Does that sound good? That sounds good, Mark, and I appreciate you having me on. All right. You look great. I, I wish you were living in this area. I'd come to the sauna and I'd kind of get some, some exercise for me. I want to get in shape, right? Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. All right, man. We'll Thank see you, you, Doc. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much, Mark. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss 
and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at markcox.com. Till next time, keep it 